Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Bussell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Each week we discuss filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them. Not as experts, but just as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. Yo, what up? <laughs> Yo, what's up? How you doing, man? <laughs> Good. Feeling a little sick this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I went to Seattle last weekend for four days, and so I was at a wedding I met up with some friends, um, saw my family, and so I did a lot of partying. You know, like when you, I don't know if you've done this, where you go to a city to see a bunch of people and every single person needs the same kind of level of party as a, as, as, as if you saw them for the first time. Like you're having a party every night, but for them, they're just like, yeah, you're in town. Let's go party. Let's have some great food and some drinks. So I think yeah. I just kind of pushed myself <laughs> too hard. Between That's, the, that can be really flight. fun. It's really, it was really fun, but it's just like, it was a lot. And the right. wedding, especially, because it was like, uh, you know, all night affair. I stayed out to like one in the morning going to bars and stuff. Wow. Well, that sounds like One's a fun One's not wedding. too bad, though. I mean, it could have been like four yeah. in the morning, but, you know, could've I'm a pretty responsible dude. Right. Well, yeah, I think when you get a little older, it's like, you know, easier to go to bed a little earlier. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm like a, and right now I've been going to bed at 930 and I'm reading Stephen King's It and I read that for like half an hour, get a little sleepy and then conk out. Wow. Yeah, I'm like two hours after you, like, or an hour, I guess, like somewhere between 1030 and 11 or 11 and 11 ish. When I when I retire, how many hours of sleep did you need in high school? Six, four. That's it. Jeez, man. not much. My whole life, I've been like a nine-hour sleeper. Like I need nine hours. If I get eight hours, I can start feeling it, and I but I can still function. But if I get less than eight, I can start. I really it really affects me. Yeah, I've never been that kind of person. Like if I get. It's like anywhere between seven and eight, and I'm I'm okay, but I can do five or six and still function. And I, mean, I feel like if my if I could do that, I would be able to get so many more things done. Yeah, I always have this dream or fantasy, I guess I should say, that I wouldn't I wouldn't have to sleep at all, and I could just keep working all and just maybe like sleep for like three hours, and I just get so much stuff done. But probably the reality of it is, I just play more games or watch more movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think there are people who don't sleep very much, but I don't think they have the necessarily the best, um, I don't know, quality of life. I mean, I, I can't speak really? to that because I, I don't... think they're millionaires and billionaires. Really? Is yeah. That like true? all the people on Shark Tank are always saying like, yeah, I only sleep like two or three hours a night. Like, well, no wonder why they're rich. They just have insane. so much time to work. Well, listeners, if anyone's out there who sleeps two to three hours a night, please let me know if you're a millionaire or not, because <laughs> that'd be interesting. Um, but what, what's going on with you as far as career stuff goes, anything interesting? You know what? Well, career wise, nothing's changed, but filmmaking wise, I haven't done anything like zero in the last week because I've been traveling and I did want to just tell you though, like one thing, cause you know, I've been a little stuck in like how to move forward with my screenplay. And one thing that's really helped is just to like give myself a task to do every day so i would write down like tomorrow what you need to do on your screenplay is figure out how to write a log line that incorporates uh setup um middle and ending that all fit into the theme that you're trying to say like something that works that's solid and then i just like have to do that or i have to figure out let me try to I have to let me pull up my list 
and that really helped me just almost like a to-do list of things, even if they're just like small little tasks, because writing an entire screenplay is a little daunting. There's like so many things to do. And I think I was just like kind of a little lost, like how, how do I proceed from here? There's like so many things I could do. So I ended up just writing down, all right, Timothy, here's what you got to do tomorrow. You just got to come up with um, one flaw in the character was one of one day I had to do. Um, huh. Tomorrow, or actually today, last yesterday, I wrote down for myself that I have to come up with five different kind of storylines within my main story that I want to pursue. So there's more than just that main story, especially because it's like a contained movie. I need to have like five things to cut away to. Oh, well, I mean, so five different B stories or like... Not really B stories, just stories. So like, let's say if you take Rear Window, there's the relationship between him and um, his caretaker, him and his friend who's the police officer, him and his girlfriend. Um, There's all the stories in the windows outside. I think Rear Rear Window has something like 10 different storylines going on. They're all connected, of course. But um, there's ten different storylines. I'll go through them all. Actually, there's the him watching the guy that's the murderer. There's uh the neighbor story of the newlyweds. There's the neighbor story of the ballet dancer who's kind of like like young and flirtatious. There's the story of I think her name is Miss Lonely Hearts. There's the story of the piano player. Um, there's a story of the couple that sleeps on their balcony and with their dog. I think that's all of them. Oh, nice. That's that's like the whole universe. Yeah. I always remember the piano playing one. Um, That was always an interesting little side note. This guy trying to, you know, write a song. I always felt (laughs) like, yeah, that's like trying to write a movie. I get it. I get it. Sitting there drinking my scotch over a typewriter. Right. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Well, that's great that you're breaking it down like that, man. Doing things task-based, I think, has been really helpful for me as well. And I I haven't really been doing that as much lately. And I got to get back to it because just writing a list of things that you need to do. And then if you even just get one of them done a day, that can feel like you're really, you know, like you're doing something. Well, it's almost like there's my list of things to do on the film was like almost too long and I didn't know which one to go first. So just giving, it's like I have two lists. I have one list of like all the things I need to do. And then another list of like just the things I need to focus on for the next day. And that also, that also helps too. Cause then I can sit there in bed as I'm falling asleep and be like, all right, so tomorrow I'm going to do this task. How can I approach it and get it done quickly? Or do I have any ideas? And a lot of times right before I fall asleep I, is where I have that, idea that is like that's it tomorrow oh, morning nice. i'm gonna write that and do you write that down before you go to sleep or do you just let it sit in your brain uh i try to let it sit in my brain because it's kind of a challenge to myself to make sure that i don't forget things in life because if i rely too much on writing <laughs> things you know what i'm saying if i if i rely on writing it down like right as I have the idea, then I feel like I'm not training myself to retain ideas. Right. Well, what if but, I'm like, yeah. you know, what if I'm somewhere where I can't write it down? Like, I don't want to feel like I'm going to lose it. So there's a little bit of a challenge, but I try to write so many things down because, and I do it all on my iPhone. I use the notes program so I can search it. Um, and there's so many times I go and I read those notes and I'm like, oh, I totally, I forgot that I had that idea. That's such a good idea. Why did I forget that? 
But I, I, I do kind of have a theory that if you have an idea that's really good, it'll just stick in your brain. Right. I don't well, know if that's if that's true. Yeah, I'm always scared of forgetting good ideas. I know. <laughs> or like, you know, having a good idea and then remembering it again later, but then remembering it wrong, you know? Uh, that's why I feel like writing it down while it's the freshest is always like the best for me, and I don't always do it. You know, I'm always – sometimes I'm really bad at it, and I, I have memories of – having great ideas for things and not writing them down and then them like completely being gone forever and never and not See, remembering and my, my theory all. is it wasn't that good of an idea if, it, if you forgot it yeah i don't know maybe it was the best thing ever maybe it was like that <laughs> the story idea to end all story ideas yeah but know? i guess everyone's brain works differently so it's hard for me to conclusively say if it's a good idea it'll stick around it's like right. for me that's how i feel but your brain works differently than mine so yeah, sometimes I'll read an idea again that I wrote like the night before or the couple of days before or a week before, and I'm like really excited about this idea. And I look at my original notes, and it's like, wow, that was a, that's not no, that's not a good idea at all. That's like <laughs> part of an idea or like a beginning, but that's not how I remembered it being. And then it's like, well, okay, well now what I'm thinking is better than the original idea, you know? Or it's like, oh, that's just a terrible idea. That's nothing, you know. That happens with dreams too. Like I'll have dreams and then I'll write down, I'll like be in the dream and like, this is the best thing ever. Oh my gosh, this would be like the most amazing movie. And then you wake up and then I try to remember the dream and it's like, well, you know, either you remember it and it's not that good or you can't quite remember it. And it's like, geez, yeah, I've had so those great. dreams too. I'm like, I, I have dreams where I'm, I think I'm like sitting in a theater and watching a movie that I've made and I'm like, this is amazing. This is brilliant. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh, or I tell myself in my dream, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to write this down because it's so brilliant. And then when I do, I look at it and go, this is dumb. <laughs> There's something that happens in the dream state where things seem more amazing than they really are. My favorite story about that is in high school, I remember waking up one morning with this amazing idea and just thinking it was like the coolest thing ever. And I think I even got in the shower and still thought it was really cool. I went to school and I'm sitting down as like, and I said to my classmate, I had, I had this really amazing idea this morning. Like, you know how bananas hang from trees and grow for like hanging. You can make really long bananas by hanging weights from them. And so as they grow, like the weights pull them down. So they just get bigger and bigger. And as I was saying this idea, I realized how stupid it was. But for <laughs> for a few hours, I thought it was pretty brilliant. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it takes you to say the idea out loud or to someone else for them <laughs> right. to, you know, remind you or for you to remind yourself that it's not that great of an idea. Well, I think that's part of the reason why. I am shy to pitch my story ideas because I do have that feeling where as soon as you start saying something out loud, you realize how dumb it is. And I think I've had that that experience with movies too. Like even explaining movies that I've already shot and finished and you're trying to explain it and you're like, God, this is so dumb. So <laughs> well, I think what, what happens sometimes is, is you're just not very good at explaining it. Like, and 
you can get better at the at the pitch or the formation I, yeah. of, of the idea. I think that's idea. more what it is. But just it, practice. It, but it can feel that way that like you know you're working on something and then you pitch it to somebody and then they're just starting to poke holes a million holes in your idea and then you're like wait yeah this is actually not really even an idea this yeah. is just um you know half a premise you know this actually isn't even a story at this point. And luckily with the alternate, I haven't had that experience lately. Like all my pitches have been going pretty well, you know, and people have been responding positively to it, except I don't know if I told you about this on the podcast, but when I was, uh, I pitched terms of use for the very first time, um, to like some serious people, um, uh-huh. a while no, ago. I haven't heard this yet. No, you didn't hear that. I didn't yeah. talk about this. So I had just pitched the alternate and it had gone really well and they had responded positively. And I'm in the room with these, these three people and they're like, okay, well, what else? Tell us about the other one. And I was like, okay. And I just jump into the, the pitch for terms of use, like literally never having pitched it before. Like Uh-oh. not, not, <laughs> not only never having pitched it to like serious people, but like probably never actually pitching it to anybody, not practicing it. Just had written, been written the script the first draft but hadn't really done anything else and uh man it was like gosh this sounds like a terrible idea <laughs> <This is> stupid <laughs> but do you think it's like, a yeah. it was it's a bad idea or you just haven't figured out a, the best way to oh, say it no i hadn't figured out how to, how to pitch it yet yeah, so that's, I, <laughs> I feel like the first time you ever have to pitch your idea the first thing that comes out of your mouth is like oh how do i explain it it's it's complicated it's you know it's not easy yeah. to explain no that was exactly what it yeah. was <laughs> and i feel like almost every movie is impossible to pitch as a one or two sentence idea until you've practiced it. Right. Or yeah, like it can be done and we see it all the time. Like every movie that you read the description on the back of the video box and they distill it down into like a simple idea. That's what you're looking for. When you watch the movie, there's all these other layers to it, but just that, that little blurb is what you have to get to, but it's not easy to get to. Right. Well, I think at that point, I hadn't, I hadn't even refreshed myself with the um, the synopsis or the little log line that the play that came with the play because the play had a little synopsis or what is like basically a log line with it. Uh-huh. So I, I read that afterwards. And then I kind of wrote my own version of that um, on top of it. And I added a little bit more to it. And then so I kind of had like a little like, you know, paragraph formed on it. And then when I went to AFM, I, I had that sort of backbone. And then the pitches there for with that idea went a lot better. And some like that idea more than the alternate um, or some equal or, you know, just dependent, dependent on who I was talking to and, um, you know, the type of company. But yeah, it definitely, it wasn't that the idea was bad. It was just that I hadn't put any thought or practice into pitching it. And that's like extremely important. <laughs> no, even if you just yeah. wrote the movie, like you can't just write a movie and then think you can pitch it just because you wrote it. Like that doesn't, yeah, they don't translate into the same thing. No, they're, they're different forms. So you have to, you have to really work to find that, that log line. Right. I, I'm of the mind that you have to know your log line before you can write the movie or finish the movie. Maybe you can write, you can probably write drafts of it, but bef- before you finish it and finalize it, I think you're going to have to understand what that log line is. Yeah. All the books say that. Yeah. It's got to pay it off. Yeah. You, I, I don't <laughs> think you agree with it, but I do feel like you have to understand what, because, okay, this is why I think that. Because I think there's audience expectations when you pitch a movie to them. 
Like no matter what, if you're making a feature, people's entryway into that feature is going to be some sort of write up or a trailer or something that's going to set their expectations about what that movie is. And if you're not fulfilling their expectations uh, in your screenplay or in your movie, then they're going to feel let down. And so you have to know what you're, how you're going to kind of sell it to make sure that you're f- fulfilling all the things that you're promising. So that's like the, the fulfillment of the promise of the pre- fulfillment. What is it called? Like fulfillment of the premise, I think, or promise of the premise. Like the save the cat talks about this a lot. That's kind of where I got this idea from. And I, I, I buy into it. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I mean, I think it's good and I think you obviously should make one and I'm not, I'm not arguing against it. I don't think it's like, Oh yeah. Right. You just don't think it works for you. No, I'm just saying it's not necessarily integral uh, to writing the story. I mean, it's hard to say that because on the alternate, I think I I did come up with my log line before I wrote it, or at least um, my general synopsis, you know, uh, which was, like my log line was really long for the alternate and it still is a kind of long, long log line. But yeah, I think for terms of use, it was since it was an adaptation of a play, I already had the meat of the play. Right. So I didn't really feel like I needed to, um, worry about coming up with log lines or anything. I was worried more about like coming up with characters and, and, and not coming up with characters, but making sure that I knew what all the characters' motivations were, translating those from the play to the to the screenplay, and then if I didn't feel like there were clear motivations for all the characters, making sure that in each scene that they had clear motivations for like what they wanted and what they why they were saying the things they were saying and what they're trying to get out of the situation, you know, because it's always yeah. always about like what does the character want, you know, and how are they trying to get it? Have you heard of this like want and super want? No. Um, yeah. Well, I probably have different names for words it. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably want. I'm guessing want is like on a per scene basis, and super wants like across the entire story. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and the idea is that the super want never changes, but the like the want probably changes scene to scene to right. get to the super want. Right. Exactly. I don't like want super want. As I'm saying it out loud, it sounds no, so you don't silly. Like it. It sounds yeah. like kids. That's funny. I want, I super want. And then like, there's like, I think there's like need too comes into it. So it's like yeah. wants and needs are different. It's like what the yeah. character wants, but what they actually need is this. I, I heard that at the, at an AFM writing conference, this guy who teaches at USC. That's a Truby thing. Was, uh, you know, on the stage and like, what you like now, now please, if you could just take your notepads out. And write down your three character names, just three, your three top characters, just your three lead characters. And, and then under your, each of the character names, uh, write their, you know, and they would just go through. Need, like, want, yeah. super want. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you can spend so much time yeah. writing that stuff though. It's, I think it's fun, but it, it can be distracting at a certain point. You're like, all right, yeah. when am I going to start writing the story? Right, right. Well, I don't know. That see, that's sort of more, more my argument. You know, it's like just just start writing the damn thing. Because if you could like be outlining and characterizing for for millions of years, if you're not if you don't just actually start writing the movie, you're not going to have anything. And I feel like getting into it sometimes helps answers a lot of the questions of the, that you have or a lot of the the challenges that you're facing in the outlining phase. Like right. you'll, you'll work through them as you, as you work with your characters and get to know your characters and, you know, figure out your scenes and stuff. 
Yeah, I just heard uh, Robert Rodriguez on the Tim Ferriss podcast, and he's like all about just getting started because he's like, you just got to trust your creativity and you just got to trust that if you show up, you'll you'll figure out the answers. And like, that's so much of what filmmaking is, is like, like as directors, when we walk on set, we don't have all the answers. We've prepared a bunch, but we don't know what's going to happen that day. But you just have to figure it out. And so like the same thing should apply to writing is when you sit down to write, you a lot of times you don't have the answers, but if you just start pushing it forward, start moving, then those answers will come out. I find that, yeah, if I'm actually writing, different things happen in my brain than if I'm just sitting there thinking about them. So I do, There, there's always this feeling I have when I'm working on outlines or working on kind of like prepping to the stage where I'm going to write, where I know I'm not using my brain to its full capacity and I just need to start writing stuff. And sometimes that is just a blank sheet of paper saying where I start with a sentence like, I don't know what I'm going to write, but I know I need to start writing. So I'm just going to start right now. And <laughs> what's on my mind today, you know, it's almost like it's this monologue in my head and then things start pouring out because I think as you're writing, it engages a part of your brain that just sitting there and thinking doesn't do. Right. Yeah. Just, just diving in somehow, you know, I think Tarantino talks about that too, that he just starts writing, that he doesn't really believe in outlines or, or anything like that, that he just like, just starts, starts with the characters and like a character conversation and then goes from there. Um, this yeah. conversation actually leads perfectly into one of the topics I wrote down for awesome. today. Um, so we're on the same page. We are on the same page apparently. <laughs> uh, so how, how do you start a, a new story? Like imagine that, you're you're coming from from nothing from zero like you don't have like any materials it's not based on a play or a poem or whatever but i mean it, or it can be but like i'm just i'm just kind of curious like how do you start a new story like an or a new a new anything a new script a new a new project like well it's got to start from somewhere right there's got to be well, like some seedling of an idea it's yeah not like well, i just sit there with a blank page and i'm like all right i'm gonna write a story today what's my story gonna be yeah about? so where do those seedlings or seeds come from for you i don't know but like so artifice i don't about two years ago now um somehow in what popped in my head was like building a personality in a computer based off of data and I think this has a lot to, this is like a subject that I've always been really interested in. Even man's best friend was about like, how do you, how we perceive love and can, is love like a real thing? Like the the original idea behind man, man's best friend was if you program a robot to act like it loves somebody, could that person tell the difference between real love and like how that robot is acting? Right. Cause it's, it's doing right. all the cues and, and then to bring it into the real world because I couldn't afford a robot. I made it about a dog because I think dogs can't talk. We don't know if they really love us. They could be feeling totally different things, but we interpret the way that they look at us and the way they cuddle up with us and the way they treat us as love. And so there's like this perception thing. So I wanted to kind of explore that idea with like data and computers and, um, Yumi and Dave sat down talking about like ideas for short films because we wanted to work on something together. And I had this initial German of, of an idea is like, what if a computer scraped like all the data from like a dead person's Facebook page and Twitter account and emails and approximated their personality and 
um, somebody who didn't get a chance to say goodbye gets to say goodbye to that person in the computer. Like, mm. would it would it be a believable version of that person, or would that thing even be the person? Like, how much of how much of what we put on the world is like us? Was kind of like the initial thought of the idea, um, and then from there, what was the first step that I did? Well, well the first did you step, write the short for, version first? I think I started writing like a scene around this kind of idea and then realized quickly that it wasn't like big enough to like tell a, a story with. It was really just kind of almost like a scene, which I think happens a lot. Like the first idea I usually have ends up just being a scene and it's not big enough to encompass the story. So then I have to kind of go back and I have to uh, write ideas what i did on this one is i wrote ideas around this premise that interested me like what am i what am i getting at and a lot of it was the role of technology in our lives how much technology represents us can technology replace us can you be can you be replicated just through like data points I went through and I just like wrote a bunch of essays on this one just to kind of get out of my system. Why is why do, what is it about this idea that interests me? And then that put me off into a new direction that had a bigger canvas for me to paint on. If that makes nice. sense. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, do you when you have an idea, do you think about if this is done before and like you know, do you worry about other media that could have already accomplished what you're trying to accomplish with your story or do you just yeah you don't worry you do i do worry because i i feel like there's no point in doing something that's already been done well if there's something out there that's been done but it's not doing exactly the same thing or it wasn't done very well i don't mind pursuing it um but i did find out that the basic premise uh that i came up with two years ago was an episode of black mirror oh yeah I mean, what you're talking about is like super, you know, covered in a lot of science fiction, you know, Mm -hmm. even like Futurama does multiple episodes like uh, around (laughs) these ideas of being copied and, you know, your ideas, your, your whole being, being put into a robot. And like, what does that actually mean? Can, could I actually love this robot version of, of the same person, you know? Yeah. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it does it all in a comedic way. So I always feel like <laughs> right. if there's something that like a comedy show or a cartoon show goes into deeply that um, is done for comedy or kind of done over the top, like it's it's fair game, you know, for uh, different types of, you know, exp- exploration of this of similar ideas and similar themes, you know, yeah. like Rick and Morty, they go nuts with the with like portals and with alternate timelines and alternate dimensions and alternate versions of of the same characters you know like there's like you know a million different rick and morty's and and you know all the characters in the show you know and they have like have you watched rick and morty at all i've seen a few episodes did you see the one where he takes the jerry to a jerry daycare that they invented (laughs) where they just drop off the the character at this daycare and it's like thousands of jerry's that are just dropped off by their rick and morty's every day you know (laughs) so they can go on adventures and just leave jerry out of it you know um and like an intergalactic like multi-dimensional 
like <laughs> Jerry daycare. It's like, it's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, it, it, at first, like when you see things like that, you're like, oh man, like, well, my ideas are, my ideas kind of like in that same ballpark, but you're like, well, but I mean, I'm exploring it in a, such a different way that I feel like there's a room for my, for my movie to exist just like there's room for Rick and Morty to exist, just like, you know, the Futurama where they like have, you know, this, this whole robot human thing. It's like your yeah. story can exist along with it. It's just a different, you know, approach to the same subject. Well, I matter. think, yeah. what you're talking about is like a framework versus a theme or, you know, the emotional component of your story. It's like the framework of your story has been done. There's portals and other dimensions and copies and copies of people, but the actual story that lives within that frame is something very personal to you and that I haven't seen done. So I think that that's what, uh, that's how you have to see it. It's like you look at Armageddon versus deep impact, right? They're both the, the framework of those movies is the same, <laughs> right, but right. the the contents of them are different. So you could look at them and be like, Oh, well they've already made an Armageddon. Why make a deep impact? But right. They're different stories. Yeah, but I, I think that it's really worthwhile to like really dive deep into um, movies that are similar to the movie you're trying to make before mm-hmm. you make it. Not not just to decide if you should make it or not, but also if they're exploring like really closely related themes that you're exploring, like maybe twist it a little bit, explore right. a different sort of approach to that theme, or you know maybe add something in different that they didn't do or like you know you you can find new story routes off of something that is already looking like your movie you know pretty easily i think or not easily but i mean i think there's <laughs> lots of room to discover there you know and to branch off and and yeah. try different ideas that's interesting i'm glad to hear that you cuz i do that too like when i come up with an idea like i you know scour the internet and trailers and you know as many movies as i as i can watch that are in the same you know, sort of wheelhouse. And then I sort of go from there to decide like, okay, like what, well, should I still write this? Like, or do I need to change it? And, and then like, yeah. Cause it's like, you don't want to, yeah. I, I have a problem with just making something that's so similar to something else. Um, I remember that in college when I would come up with the story idea and usually it was a teacher would be like, Oh, have you seen this movie? I'm like, no, they're like, you should watch it. It's very similar to yours. I'd be like, why would I want to watch that? Why would I want to watch something that's similar to something that I'm writing? <laughs> and now I realize because <laughs> you want to make sure that because what ends up happening is people that are in different places, usually at the same time, come up with similar ideas. And so what you'll find is even if you're writing in a vacuum and you've come up with a story idea and you've come up with plot points and come up with characters and things, if you watch a movie that somebody says is similar to yours, you might actually see a lot of those same things in that movie that you're writing. And then no one else is going to know that you came up with it in a vacuum. They'll just assume you watched that movie and ripped it off. Right, exactly. So it's better to be aware of it's everything. better to be aware. So yeah, so yeah. you go into it knowingly. The funniest thing is I wrote the spirit machine feature and then I um, I saw Transformers Four, I think it was the one with Mark Wahlberg. Oh right, yeah. Oh yeah. my God, there's so many like similarities between yeah. the feature version <laughs> of the Spirit Machine and Transformers Four, and it was like yeah. kind of embarrassing, like <laughs> how so much lined up. Like, Dad's an inventor, Mom's yeah. dead. It's a dad with a teenage daughter. They're searching yeah. for this machine. Yeah. Oh my God, it was it was yeah. bad. So. That, well, does, does, that really that, discouraged that, me. 
does that but do you feel like that's discouraging or do you feel like no like i'm not the only one who has this kind of story in my head like this <laughs> validates my story that i that i'm was wanting to tell a little bit of both because i felt like somebody else who is a working screenwriter in hollywood that got paid to write a movie came up with similar ideas to me but at the same time i felt like if somebody else could come up with those i probably didn't push myself hard enough like i I think a lot of the stuff in Spirit Machine was just like my first initial idea and I didn't push it past that, um, which is a lot of the reason that I feel like a little embarrassed by that movie because I feel like I just kind of settled for the first thing. So yeah, I think the good That's thing about watching other movies that are similar to yours is it'll help you push yours past what somebody else has already thought of or like the first initial instinct you have. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's, this is very interesting. Um yeah, I guess when I see things that are similar to my to my movies or something I've done, I, I feel just like validated, you know, and I don't really feel like ripped off or, oh, they stole from me yeah, or whatever. No. I kind of just feel like, oh, this is like, you know, I'm on the same same wavelength as these people. Like we're, <laughs> we're speaking the same language, like, right. you know, we're in the same world, you know, uh, like strange, strange thing and stranger things. There's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between those two in the first season, you know, like there's the same kind of monster, uh, same kind of, um, you know, portals. And then like the forest scene looks a lot like my forest scene. And then stranger things is a way cooler comparison than transformers (laughs) Four. that's where that gets, gets a little embarrassing. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. 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 Like, Uh, well, but but it wasn't (laughs) like the ideas in transformer four were bad. It's just the movie happened to be not so good. Um, but like that setup is fine. <laughs> I gotta make sure I'm talking about the right one. It might be no, you are because because I because I saw it too. Is it Transformers Five? Oh no, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Transform Nicola Peltz. Like was it's four, right? It is four. Yeah, I only watched um the very like first thirty to forty minutes where he's like you know with his daughter searching for the machine, and I'd already seen <laughs> Spirit yeah. Machine, so I don't know if I texted you or not, but I was like, uh, you oh probably my God. were the one that told me. <laughs> It's it's so similar. Oh my goodness! It's so funny. So that that really just like made me give up on that screen. No, no, I don't think you should give up on it. I, I, just they didn't do a very good job with it. I think you would do a better job with that that oh, framework. Um, but yeah, yeah, and then have you seen Stranger Things too yet? No, not yet. Okay, well, there's like a similarity between that and the alternate in Stranger Things too. So we're just. You guys not, really, yeah, yeah, we're like on the same wavelength. You're like, like one of the Duffer brothers. Our mind melded. Yeah, Duffer brothers. <laughs> we're we're speaking the same language, bros. But um, yeah, that's kind of happening a lot more to me now. I feel like because there's people that have been able to successfully get their films made and are out there and like getting things on Netflix and in theaters. So I see a lot of the worlds that I was interested in. 10 years ago that I that I felt like I was on the forefront of discovering now like coming out and so I'm like oh man I missed the boat those people got there ahead of me well I gotta find something else then right or just do it differently yeah do it differently but yeah yeah, um and to answer your question on like how I get started I think that I use the example of artifice but it's always been a little different every single idea that I've come up with has started and has started as a, like a little kernel of an idea, but the way that I got to the final screenplay was different for each one. Yeah. I think well, for like, but are we talking about feature films or short films or doesn't just doesn't matter anything? 
Because short films, I guess, are easier to just explore. Because like alone, I I had the idea of just like this this guy alone in space, and I wanted to kind of like just capture the feeling of being alone and like wondering what your place is in the universe. But I didn't really know what the construct of the story was. I just wanted to like have all these really beautiful images of a ship flying, and so that movie was really just kind of creating the film and writing the VO together. And I did a bunch of different passes. So like as shots were finished and as, as assembling the film, I would rewrite the VO and like try new things and try new music until I found something that worked for me. What did that look like on paper before you started making the actual shots? Like, did you just have like a little sequence written out? Like, you know, shot from behind trees as rocket takes off, you know, rocket going up into the air. Like, did you have it all like kind of, you know, storyboarded out in in words or how did you start that process? The very first storyboard was pictures from NASA that I had found that were really abstract and beautiful. And I brought it to the CG artist I wanted to work with. And I just had like, I think nine panels with a little bit of VO underneath them. And I was like, I want to do this. You want to help? He's like, yeah. And then it evolved from there. He helped draw some storyboards and we, we wrote, we drew everything in pictures first. Um, Oh, and I also did like a previs using footage from other movies first to kind of like come up with, a structure for it so like there's a few shots in there that probably look familiar because some of them are straight from like nasa footage or from i'm trying to remember which movie i I used with like um a shuttle taking off but yeah i just like captured a bunch of footage oh uh the one shots from alien actually aliens the beginning of aliens oh cool um yeah so that it was just that was a little kind of a loose process and it took us so long to make that it evolved very slowly over time. Nice. So what I'm hearing is that it the the movies or your stories will generally start from an idea that pops into your head at some point. And then like in the case of the artifice, it was like, you know, something that you'd already explored in a different medium when you had originally had the idea, you know, to explore it in this manner. And then that kind of came back to you and then it evolved into something different and then became what is the artifice now. Yeah. What's so becoming kinda... the artifice. Right. But yeah, you're right. I think my ideas tend to be thematic to start with or ideas, just like an idea, just something that excites me. It's not a full fledged story. It's not, there's no characters yet. It's just like, just a premise, almost like a what if statement. Well, that's interesting that you said that because I was thinking how I was going to explain my process and I was going to say that my movies kind of, you know, generate from a what if sentence, you know, what if, you know, a, there's a door uh, in your apartment. Do- exactly. A doorway <laughs> appeared in your apartment or what if your brother-in-law was, um, you know, an alien <laughs> yeah. like what or or a creature or something, you know, like it's always a what if scenario for me, you know, but I mean, it's hard to say exactly where all ideas come from, but I mean, I think a lot of times for me, it's like based off of something I witness that creates an idea in my head. Mm -hmm. Like either it's something I see out in the world or a movie or something I read or hear or even a song. And then it just kind of generates like this, this whole like vision in my head of like what, what the story would be or what the story could be, you know? Yeah. And then Uh how long do you hold on to that initial vision? Does it 
morph and change or do you keep looking back to that and saying, all right, that was what I originally wanted to do and I got to stay true to that and you just keep like check, checks and balances with the new material versus the original vision? Well, it's usually something that's pretty small, you know, as far as as like the original vision. Like it's not like a really detailed sort of um, thing. It's like a paragraph or a couple sentences about what the story is. And then, yeah, it definitely evolves as you get into the writing phase or as I get into the writing phase. Like it just it, it turns into something different. And then, you know, I look back to that original idea and, and try to, you know, make sure that I'm being true to it. But oftentimes it'll, you know, I'll just go where the story takes me, you know, uh, mm. to new, new places. Uh, but like lately, like I haven't really... I haven't really just come up with something just to come up with something in a while. Like I, it hasn't really just been like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, just write this thing because I want to, it's, it's usually based off of some sort of prompt in my life. Like, you know, this, the crypt TV thing that just happened. I don't know if I even talked about it on the podcast much at all, but no, you know, you I, haven't. I, I got an opportunity to, to uh, pitch an idea to crypt TV again after not working, doing anything with them for a couple of years. And it just kind of fell on my lap basically. And so, and then it was like, all of a sudden, once I got talking to the development person, she was like, okay, uh, so, um, like the next, the 2018 quarter one, uh, short film submission date is like, you know, five days from now. And here's a long list of all the things that you need to have in order to qualify, uh, for being greenlit. Uh, you know, do you have anything you want to pitch? And so it basically turned out to be like, okay, well, I just emailed her. She, and she's like, if you, if you're not sure if it's the right idea or whatever, feel free to run anything by me. I'm happy to, to help guide you and let you know which idea sounds good. And so I think I wrote out three ideas and I sent her two. And then she said, oh, this one sounds great, right? Develop this one. And so then from that treatment, out of those two treatments I wrote, the one that she picked, I wrote a script. And then I, uh, you know, created a whole lookbook, uh, uh, you know, off of it and created this thing and sent it in before the deadline. But, you know, like I wrote that, that story probably in, like I wrote that, the treatment one night and then I think the next day I wrote the script. So it just came together like, boom. Wow. Well, you know? Where did the initial idea come from? It basically gave you a prompt within the, this of like what they're looking for uh. at Crypt TV. They're like, we want hyper visual character driven stories. So, and then they like had like a bunch of different uh, shorts that they either had made or someone else had made mm -hmm. that fit within the prompt that they, that they wanted. And they had a bunch of do's and don'ts basically like you do make your creature and monster like this. Don't make your monster like this, make your mythology like this. Don't make your mythology like this. And so I had a lot of guidelines as to where to start. So that kind of helped a lot. And then as for my initial idea, I kind of just thought about something that really annoys me in general, which is like people not responding to you uh, <laughs> when you text them or when you call them or when you email them or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and then I kind of just turned that into a, a little monster story. Uh, and I created a character, a drunk mother and a, you know, sweet little boy, and then like had them be in that world and then them created the mythology of the monster around that. So it was kind of a, a little bit of a Babadook kind of ripoff in a way. Um, but you know, <laughs> original enough. So it's its own thing for sure. Yeah. Uh, 
But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I got started. And then I just was like kind of forced to come up with a monster that was interesting or that had these certain, you know, had some scary appeal, but then had like a mythology and rules that it followed and, and kind of created this universe around this character. And then, yeah, just threw it together and wrote it really quickly and boom, I was done. But I, I was thinking recently, like all the times I've written things in the last few months or, or year, maybe it's all been based off of prompts. Like cake was like an assignment from this Werner Herzog masterclass that I was taking, you know? And so it was like, write a story like this. It's like, okay, I'll write a story like that. Boom. And then I just do it, you know? Uh, but I haven't really written anything organically in a little while. And I was just thinking about the last thing I did. It was, uh, another thing that was like a story. My mother-in-law told me that had happened to her years ago and she'd wrote me a letter detailing the story and how she remembered it. She did it just, I think, just to tell me because she thought it would be a really interesting story for a movie or whatever. And then I read it and I was like, oh my gosh. And she told the story in person before, so I'd already heard it. But then reading it, I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And then I basically just took a little spin on her story and then wrote my own version of it, you know. But again, that's like that's not coming from me organically completely. But yeah, I should just try to like just throw something out. I mean, I, I guess I've done other ones in the last couple of years where it's just kind of come out of me, but it's always based off of something I see or something I encounter or experience. That's how they, they get started. Yeah. I was just thinking while you were talking that a lot of my story ideas, I think are born from listening to this American life or radio lab. Like they'll have some episode that just sparks an idea in my brain or like, oh, that's so fascinating. Like, what if? And then that's where it starts from. Nice. That's awesome. Do you have a list of um, of ideas that you want to to pursue? Yeah. Like yeah, how many yeah. how many things are on that list? Do you know? I don't know. 20, 30, maybe. Yeah. Um, I have this, uh, I have this, this thing called Workflowy. I don't know if you've, if you've ever used oh, yeah. it. It's a kind of like... Um, what do you call that? A bulleted list program? Yeah, it's like a cloud-based bullet yeah. list program. And you can like, uh, you know, use it on any of your computer devices and then it'll go onto your iPhone too. So you can just, I can be like, you know, waiting in line at the dentist or whatever, you know, or the bank. <laughs> and I can just be like putting in ideas into my uh, into my phone. I use it as a note-taking device too. Like, you know, at meetings, if, if someone's saying something really great, rather than whipping out my computer, yeah. I'll whip out my workflow and type it into there. And that's where it, it goes. And, you know, I have different sections for the different projects I'm working on and then for the different ideas and stuff. And when are you going to go back to that list of projects and start working on other ones? I, I don't know. I think it's like when the current ones I'm working on are done. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, which is kind of, I'm almost at that place now because terms of use, um, I'm not, uh, I'm not assigned to write it at this point. Like, um, it's in the hands of the original writer now. And now that I had one full draft done, he wanted to go into it and kind of do his own draft off of it. And then once he had finished, like kind of doing his own draft from my uh, rough draft that I'm supposed to go back and, and look at it again at that point. Um, yeah, but he's you know, back and forth method. Yeah, but he's just really busy, and I don't know if he's really had time to put into it lately. And so I'm sort of just in this holding pattern with that story, and then I'm really focusing on the alternate and getting that done. Uh, although I'm really getting teased by short film ideas right now, so it's sort of <laughs> like whether I'm, I'm trying to decide, you know, if I should, you know, you know, approach some of these short film projects or what I should put my time into at this moment. Cause there's a lot of options, you know, and 
I think like with the the status where the alternate is, like I have time to do another short, maybe you know, or I mean, I it just depends on on how I handle it, really. <laughs> right. But it's hard. It's weird how your brain works and it wants what it wants. Because like right now, I have no interest in anything else but artifice. I just I just want to work on that and I want to figure that out. I want to crack it. I want to write it and hopefully go produce it. But there's nothing else in my mind that's like pulling at me. That's saying, Hey, what about me? What about me? It's like um, my brain, whenever I have a free moment, it's just going back to artifice. And I'm thinking about how to make that better, how to, how to figure it out. But I, I'm like you, I have a list of, of projects that either are ideas that I've had for a long time that I've still trying to that I want to sit down and develop or ideas that are just like a one sentence thing that is kind of like the initial seed of an idea like I had two years ago with artifice and I also have um, lists of projects that should I ever get the chance to go into the studio system like that I would love to remake like for instance Fantastic Voyage would be an amazing movie to remake or Aren't I have they like doing that? looks at what the, they're probably somebody is like every time I write something on my list, somebody ends up doing it. Like I had 20,000 leagues under the sea at one point and David Fincher was supposed to do it. Um, oh, right. I don't think that ended up happening. And then I also have right. like books that I'd love to adapt. I just have like a big list. So that way I, I, I never feel like I'm the well is dry. There's like always stuff that if I ever got the opportunity and somebody's like, what do you want to work on? I'd be like, where should we start? I have like so many things I'd love to do. Yeah, I, I have that same thing too. I, have a, I don't have as many, um, you know, big studio project ideas as you do, but I have at least like two or three that I'm like kind of paranoid over. I don't even t- tell anybody about them because I feel like this one in particular, uh, people would just, I think someone would kill to make that movie. And it's, it's a big, <laughs> big comic book thing. Like, you know, yeah. no one, you know, it's like I would have to be in the studio system in order to make it, but oh my god, like I would die. And I've I've thought about trying to do a um, like a teaser video of it, you know, like a little fan film or you know one of these like little shorts that people have done in the past to like get the movie off the ground, like De- Deadpool style, basically. Um, which isn't even a fair comparison because that was like made with studio money, basically, and then just leaked, which is a very different thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I mean. I'd love to do that one. And I'm, I'm thinking like, even if it's like when I'm 50, like I'll, <laughs> I'll like walk into an office and be like, I want to do this, this adaptation. Like, let's make it happen, you know, but I got to get to a better place as a filmmaker first. Like I have to actually make some movies uh, before I can even bro. Like, it's such a big thing. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy style, basically. Wow, so, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, funny. I'm looking yeah. at a list from like 2013 and on there is Westworld. Been done. Um, Poltergeist been done. Fantastic Voyage is probably being done, but it's like, yeah, I have to update this list. I got to add more stuff now. Some of my That's my really dream funny. movies have already been done. I like I wrote down like the name of the movie, <laughs> um, the last time somebody's like talked about it, like who's attached to it, which studio it's with, and I'm prepared, Ulrich. If this ever happens, I'm ready to go. You ready to go? Well, it'll only happen if you make it happen, but um, I'm I'm convinced that you will, you know, you have as good, just as good a chance as any of us to make it happen. Oh, thanks. Um, if not, way more so. Just uh, got to put your mind to it, right? Got to put my mind to it. So is there yeah. anything else you want to talk about? 
I think these other subjects are too long um, for the rest of the show. I mean, I don't think it's anything really worth getting into now. Um, Well, let me ask you one thing then about terms of use. Sure. You have not officially made an announcement about this, but you've talked about it a few times on the podcast. When are we going to hear about this project? Oh, I don't know. Um, Not for a while, I don't think. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know the status of it right now because um, there was sort of more full steam ahead. And I think... um, you know, that I had come to some realizations about the project was it's just as far as expectations from the writer, you know? Um, and I don't think I, I kind of thought of it as a different thing than he did, I think. And so, um, you know, we still want to make it and we're still going to do it for sure. It's just, it's not going to be a slam, slam dunk, like whiz bang thing. Like I thought that we would like literally shoot in April or May, Yeah, right. you know, and just like, do this thing because we had half you know we had a big portion of the budget already secured um but you know it turns out like he doesn't really want to do it that way and i think it's a smarter move because the script it's got like the least amount of work uh, of it in it of like the other projects that i have on the table so it's like you know it's really worth it to put the time into the story to really develop it and make it good and I'm glad that we're going to have the time to do that and that we're not rushing into it. You know, although if he was to call me right now and say, Hey, let's just make this thing for, for what we have or for, I would be like, okay, uh, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. But, let's go. but yeah, I mean, it, it does need, it needs a lot of time. And I think like if we were to like work on it, like, you know, at least even just half time, like not full time, if we like put like half of our time into the script and the, and the project, I think we could do it by April or May, but by doing, putting the amount of work into it that we've been putting so far, like, I, you know, it's just not going to be ready in time. Um, and, and that's not how he wants to approach it. He wants to make it for more money. So we just have to, you know, we're going to have to just develop it as, as it goes. And maybe it'll be my second movie or, you know, who knows? It's amazing how long these things take. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess really quickly, since we have time, um, I have decided to set shoot dates for the alternate. Oh, my gosh. So we're going to do fall 2018 is uh, the dates we've set. Um, and I pretty much have a producer on board now, too, as as of yesterday. <laughs> so, so that's really exciting. And, uh, you know, we don't have a contract signed or anything. But, yeah, he said I could use his name and put it in the materials and everything and that he would uh, he would work with me on it. So that's pretty fantastic. Um, I guess I should announce it. Why not? Uh, his name is Jeff Allard, executive producer of the first two Texas Chainsaw Massacre remakes. Um, Sweet. So how'd you yeah, meet him through my lawyer? Okay. Yeah. You gave me an introduction. So, yeah. So everyone go get a lawyer. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And he's, he's produced, I think 12 movies or 13 movies since then or something like that. Um, so he's done a bunch of horror movies, um, a couple of indie dramas. Um, but yeah, he works in budget ranges from like micro budget, um, like half a million, I think all the way to like, you know, I think four million or yeah, so. Yeah, that was gonna be whatever. my next question. Is he okay with the budget you're trying to get for this? Or yeah. is he like, No, we need to go bigger. Let's go for uh, ten yeah. million, bro. <laughs> no, I think he's okay with it. Okay, um, good. You know, I I think he is 
you know, he's got his own ideas of like what he thinks it should cost and, you know, and, and all that. And so we're kind of changing the numbers, but I mean, I'll just keep on saying what I've been saying, like under a million, you know, for the movie. But yeah, it's exciting. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I got a, I got a lot of work to do. I've got a, you know, he gave me a bunch of notes on my, um, my pitch book and then I got to add his name into it and add his bio. And then he told me I should add a couple other bios into my thing and like change my, my filmmaker page a little bit, you know? Um, so yeah, he had a lot of advice, but I would want to say one thing. And I got from the commer- our commercial friends at Capital Art, I got a lot of uh, very specific feedback on my, my pitch book mm-hmm. and, you know, it's all great and I love it. And I think it's fantastic. But when I talked to Jeff about it, he really liked what I had had in a lot of ways. I, I, I don't think he thought like visually that it was like perfect by any means. Like I think, you know, of course it could use a lot of work uh, on the design side of things, but he just thought the content was pretty on point. Like he really liked all the pages I had. He liked that it was small. Like, he, you know, he didn't think that I should have anything much bigger than 15 pages at most, but he liked that I kept it brief and it was like a a brief 10 pages. And one of the things that he said was like, you know, even if you're just going to be emailing it to people in a digital form, like most people, like especially investors, like they're probably going to get like three or four pages into it. And then they're not going to read the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they're going to do what I do. Just skim through and look at the pictures and be like, cool, cool. I got it. Okay. Exactly. Like they might read the first two or three pages, but then after that, they'll just skim. Exactly. So he was saying that if there's anything really important that they need to know, uh, put it in the, in the first couple pages. So he wants me to, um, yeah, he wants me to expand my executive summary to add a couple more, what he called pitch points, which are like really strong reasons why this is a good bet and why they should invest their money into it. He like kind of outlined like the things in my project of like why, um, he, why my movie is a good movie to, to invest in. So yeah, it was great. It was a great meeting. I think I'm like, it hasn't really hit me yet of like how, great it is because you know that meeting went the best it could have possibly gone like i don't think it could have really gone any better and if you're anything like me you're probably just skeptical you're like all right i'm not gonna get too excited because anything can still happen i mean i know that he's not so at the same time like i just for people to to understand like what this really means like it's it's kind of like how when people talk about like getting a manager or an agent it doesn't mean that that you know, just because I have a producer on my movie, it's not like, oh, he's going to make it and I have to sit back and just drink lemonade and answer questions that he asked me. It's it's no. Like, <laughs> I still have to make the movie happen. I still have to produce it. I still have to raise the money. Like, he's not going to bring money to the table. He's not going to, yeah, make the movie happen by snapping his fingers. But what he is going to do is, like, you know, be a part of the project, work with me on it, you know, you know, answer my questions. And, you know, if I have any like difficulties or struggles, like he'll be there for me as a resource to like help me solve the problem. And then more importantly, I can use his name as credibility to like get things done, like with either production companies or investors or, or whatever I need connections. Like it was just to be like, Oh yeah, this real producer is, is my producer and he's making this movie with me. It's like, that's a huge thing. Yeah. So I think thinking of him as a resource and a mentor is the right way to do it. Because like he has the experience, he's done this before. So when you get stuck, you can go to him and be like, "All right, here's where I'm at with with things. Do you have any advice for me?" But it is still exactly. all on you. Which oh yeah, which leads me to if you're shooting in the fall, 
do not try to do anything between now and then. <laughs> just focus on the alternate. Get it no done. No short films. No Come short on. films. I can do one. No, I can just do one short film. Don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. Just don't focus it. Okay. on the alternate. You don't have a lot of time. Fine. Because you have to pay for your your life, and that's that's going to take time away. So that eight months is going to go by fast. What about um, like a commercial short with uh, <laughs> the capital art folks? I would highly recommend you just focus on this film because <laughs> okay. eight months is not a long time. Yeah, but I mean, it's not a lot of time, but, um, you know. You still have to raise the money. You still have to get all the resources in place, get actors right. on board, find locations, get your right. crew together. I mean, even if you just did one of those things every month, there's going to be there's easily eight things there on your list of things to do right that's true you know and so you yeah. have to focus four weeks out of four weeks for each thing that you have to do in your to-do to do list sounds about right for a feature right yeah i guess the, the what some of the things that he was saying though was with the locations that it, it's probably too early to start looking for locations now because anyone with a house that you try to lock down for october or fall or november or whatever like it's just a little too early, you know, like he says he, when he goes out for locations, he does it about two months out, you know, to try to find his locations for his film, you know? So it's probably more about uh, fundraising and getting cast attached at this point, you know? And then uh, once things move, uh, get a little bit closer, then like start locking down locations and getting all those details sorted out, you know? Um, but then, you know, it could, it's also figuring out the portal design which I'm working on now. I've got a graphic artist helping me uh, shout out to Lucas Colshaw um, with the portal design. So that's really awesome. And uh, yeah, it's uh it's all coming together, but yeah, I think you're right. I, I definitely can't do too many things, but I still think maybe one might not be a bad thing, <laughs> especially if it was like the alternate um, short. Okay. Or I will allow you to do that. Yes. You will allow me yes, to do that. Yes, you can do okay. that. But, but nothing, nothing else. else. Okay. Because that will feed into what you're doing and you can right. use that as a tool. He basically said that, you know, if you can spend no money on doing the alternate short, then do it. But if you have to spend money on it, then um, it's probably not worth it. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people don't really care about teaser trailers and you know if you were doing a kickstarter it would be useful or if you you know were like primarily like in los angeles like i guess los angeles people really like teaser trailers a lot but you know if you're fundraising around here with you know just tech millionaire people or people you you meet through connections like teaser trailers they're, they're not going to really necessarily like the layman's not really going to understand what that is in a That's lot of true. ways i think if you do it do it under the auspices that you're going to just do this to help kind of figure out maybe the tone or look of the thing. Like it's an experiment. So that way, when you go into the right. future, you have some answers already figured out. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I agree with him. Don't spend money on it. Put that all towards your feature. You need every right. penny you can squeeze. Every penny. And yeah. uh, that that's a, here's another just shameless plug really quick. <laughs> okay. um, if any listeners out there are interested in being an investor in the alternate, please send me an email because I am actively looking for investors. And I know that you guys don't have a ton of money or anything, but you know, if anybody wanted to be involved, I think it would be a good chance to learn a lot about making a movie. Uh, and you know, one of the things that we talked about, uh, yesterday in my meeting with my producer was that like, you know, make sure that people understand that it's not just a, I want your money and go away. Like, like I want our investors to be a part of the project. Like I want them to, you know, 
have access to to the set. So if they want to come by and you know see see how things are being done, like they're welcome to. If they want to you know read the script, they're they're welcome to. Like if they want to come to you know the film festivals when we're done and all that stuff. Like they're they we want our investors to be with us on the project. Like we don't want them just to you know just be on the sidelines. So, you know, it would be a really good chance to see a little bit more about how it's all done and kind of learn with me as, as this thing happens. So I don't know. There's my little shameless plug pitch. What's the minimum investment that somebody, no, can no, get? Minimum. no, no minimum, no minimum, no minimum. There you go, people. But if you want an executive producer credit, I think what he was saying, it should be 50,000. <laughs> okay. Fair so enough. anybody who wants to be an executive producer, that's the number you have to bring to the table. So, cool. yeah. Timothy, I expect you to be an executive producer on this project. I really can't. I just drained my bank <laughs> account. I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for asking. <laughs> yeah, way to put salt in the wounds. I'm sorry. Um, cool. Well, I'm going to take us out. Please do. This is all exciting news, though. What I, what I expect for you to do is to keep like a list of things that you're actively doing to get this feature made and making those topics of the show over the next year. So that way we can really get into the nitty gritty of like how things are done. But that's a great idea. This is awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm, 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 I'm making it happen. I'm setting the dates. I'm committing myself. Um, the first step, set the dates. Set the dates. We learned that from Liz Manischel. Yeah, I know. She'll, I think she'll be happy if she listens still to hear that I've set dates. Um, yeah. Now I got to get my newsletter together. That's my next thing. <laughs> All right, yeah. everyone. Thanks for listening. Check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find links to things we talk about on the show. You can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. That's really just um, an email of our show notes every week to remind you that the show is up and a handy dandy way for you to get the links without having to go anywhere. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook with the handle at MMIH podcast or send us an email to podcast at making movies is hard.com. And if you like the show, please tell your friends about us, spread the word, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And thanks, Ulrich. This is fun. Yeah. Thanks, Timothy. Yeah. Good episode. I think this ended up actually being a better discussion than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, me too. Well, I think talking about story, I think that was helpful. Good call. All right, guys. All right. Have a good week. Bye.